I'm Samaita Graver, and I want to welcome you to Truth, Salt, and Spice, the podcast. My hope is that the stories my guests share inspire you to walk in truth, be salt to your corner of the world, and to use the unique gifts that God intentionally gave you to add spice to everything you do. Brie is a woman whose faith is an inspiration to me. Her journey from living high on painkillers to living high on the abundance that is Christ is absolutely beautiful. Here's Brie. Welcome, welcome. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm wonderful. So glad to be here with you. Well, I am honored. I was so excited when you said yes. Um, you know, a lot of people have a lot of tender, you know, um, sacred, his, uh, what is it, stories. And so right. I am honored when people are willing to share um, with the public uh, what they've been through, what God's doing in their life. And, you know, it's, it's sacred work. So I am so grateful that you are willing to share your story. Yes, I'm so glad that you asked me to. I just think it's a blessing that I can share my story and maybe help someone else or whatever God's plans are for me. But I know that he wants me to share my story. So I'm super excited. Amen. Amen. So why don't you tell our peeps a little bit about yourself and then we'll get talking about your story. Yes. So I'm Bree and I'm 39 and shipping and handling, meaning I'm really 40 years old, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, (laughs) Um, right now I am living in Tallahassee, Florida, and I'm working at Florida State University, go Seminoles. Mm-hmm. And, um, I am just, uh, doing a lot of learning who I am after everything that I've overcome this past year. And so that's me. Yay. Yay. I'm, I'm just tickled pink here. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about addiction. And so we're yeah. I'm just going to go right ahead and get into um, the nitty gritty of it. So my first question was, you know, what was going on in your heart at the point that you that led you to become addicted to drugs? You know, what age was it? Mm-hmm. And how did that, you know, all happen? So go ahead. It's all your story. <laughs> okay. So, um, my drug of choice, I became addicted to after I had surgery um, in the year 2000. Um, I'd had a surgery and I was pre- prescribed medications after the surgery, um, like you normally are, mm-hmm. um, to help with pain. And I just became addicted to that. And the uh, doctor, my doctor kept prescribing them more than he probably should have. Uh, for longer than he should have. And, um, uh, and when he stopped prescribing them, then I would go to different doctors or get them off the street or, you know, basically whatever I could do. I was just addicted and, um, it wasn't just one particular thing, but, um, you know, that whole class of just painkiller type medication, um, anything I could get my hands on really. And, and it became, um, it became my normal because without it, I wasn't normal. I was sick because at that point I was so addicted. Um, mm-hmm. so, and you know, can... there are many people that have surgery and take the pills and mm-hmm. then they're off for a right. week or whatever, and then move on with their lives. Right. So what was different exactly. about you? What was going on inside that that provided? Well, what did it provide? 
And so I hear from a lot of people that Mm -hmm. that type of medication makes them, you know, sleepy or even nauseous or that they have bad side effects and that they don't even really like it. Uh, But for me, um, it gave me energy that I didn't have. It gave me a sort of I don't want to euphoric is like too much of a word, but just made me feel good. Mm. Um, and like, for example, and this is funny, um, the day after my surgery, you know, I was supposed to be resting, but taking these medications, I was bored at the house resting. So I got up and decided I was going to try to vacuum. Um, and when I did, I realized, uh, nope, can't vacuum because those muscles aren't working and I'm supposed to be resting, Yeah. but I just had energy and I felt good. And, um, I just really liked the way that it made me feel. So I continued to want more even after I didn't need it. I just wanted more because of the way it made me feel. Okay. So let's back up then. Could you pinpoint then what was going on that you how, how was your behavior? Were you, how do I ask this question? Cause I'm fascinated here. I mean, yeah, y- y- on this stuff, you felt great. So how did you feel before? And did you not notice that you were low energy or like, what, what was the dynamic there? So at the time I had moved, um, away from home, I basically followed my boyfriend down to a different city to go to college Um, and, and I was kind of just following him and, um, my sister will tell you that in the past, um, whenever I had a boyfriend, I would just kind of become absorbed in that person and lose myself. Mm. And so I followed him and I went to the same school he went to and I did the things he liked to do. And I was friends with his friends and, and I, I've, I've done that repeatedly throughout my life. Um, and so I think I was just, and honestly, the things that he liked to do, I really didn't like to do, but I was just pretending because I didn't know who I was. Gotcha. And so (laughs) this drug just made me feel good and it made me have energy to, I was, I really had felt like I was putting on masks all the time for everybody. And that can be very, it's so very draining to just pretend to be happy when you're not, to pretend to be okay when you're not. And, Mm. um, the job where I was working, um, I, I needed to be very kind of peppy and happy all the time. And that wasn't me. I'm kind of shy and quiet. And with this drug, I was just like, super awesome at my job. And so I think all of those things together, I just felt like I was a better me with this drug. Mm, So would you say then that it just removed inhibitions and you were able to continue the facade (laughs) more easily? Yes. Interesting. Fascinating. Wow. That was not a, I mean, I didn't know what to expect your answer was going to be, but you know, that makes total sense. Um, And so were you, at what point did you become aware that this was an issue that you just were not comfortable or felt strong enough to be assertive and just be yourself? Um, or did that come more that's recently? A, that's a, that, yeah, that yeah. was super recent. Okay. That didn't happen for a very long time. 
um, you know, for almost 20 years, I was just, uh, it was just, this is what I do. This is what I need to feel normal is to continue to take this drug. And, um, uh, sometimes I would have thoughts like I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. Um, or I'm going to end up overdosing and die. And because my brain was so screwed up from being addicted to the drug for so long, it just, those were my thoughts and I was okay with it. I was just like, this is how it's going to have to be for the rest of my life. Cause there's absolutely no way I can stop. Right. I can see that. So, um, at this point you, you did not grow up going to church or you became a Christian later in life, right? Right. I became a Christian when I was around Mm -hmm. 35, 36 years old. So you want to talk about that journey? Because even after you became a Christian, you still continued to struggle with the addiction. So let's talk about that a bit. So what had happened was (laughs) um, my boyfriend, now this is a new boyfriend. Mm -hmm. um, We, uh, when I met this man, I did not know that he was also addicted to the same thing that I was. Uh, I quickly found out. Um, So then we were two addicts uh, living together and all of our, not all of it, but most of our money was going to feed our drug habit. And we actually lived in a hotel for two years um, because we could not afford an apartment. You know, it was one of those really scary, creepy CD motels. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we spent money on our habit and um, a little bit of food. But um, he at one point got in some trouble trying to do a drug deal and ended up in jail. And um, when that happened, uh, I knew he was going to be in jail. I was, I mean, I didn't know for sure, but I was guessing for at least a month. Um, he was there actually there for 28 days. Uh, but at the time, um, I very clearly remember sitting one night in the floor of this dirty hotel where I had been living for two years. We had no car. Well, we had a car, but it was not operable. I had been riding my bike to and from work, which praise God, my work was close enough to do that. Um, so I was still able to work. Uh, but so I, I felt so alone because over the decade plus that I had been an addict, um, I had pushed my family away and maybe not pushed them away, but distanced myself from people. Uh, I did not have friends. Um, my family I'm sure was tired of, uh, my calls asking for money. Um, I think that my parents knew or had a sneaking suspicion what I was really using my money for when I called to ask for money for groceries or whatever. So when my boyfriend went to jail, I felt so alone. Uh, he, even though he was not good for me, not good to me, uh, he was my only person, uh, that I had. Um, and I remember sitting on the hotel room floor, just crying. I didn't want to live anymore. Uh, I didn't say, I did not see a way out of this predicament that I was in. 
um, with him being gone, I felt like I, you know, that was my last little bitty thread of support that I had. I had nothing. Um, and so I actually thought to myself while sitting on that floor, Hey, maybe I should give, uh, this God guy a chance. Mm. I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know anything about Jesus. I'd never cracked open a Bible. I mean, I knew the stuff everybody kind of knows the people that don't go to church. Yeah. You know. so I, I, I <laughs> Christmas knew, Easter. <laughs> right. I knew that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, um, so I'm like, well, maybe, I mean, I can't think of it. I, and I thought to myself, self, you've tried every other thing. You've tried to do this for years on your own. You've tried A, B, C, and D to survive. And now you're sitting here wishing that you would just die because you can't take it. Um, so what's left. And the only thing I could think of was God. And then my next thought was, well, how am I going to find out about God? Because I don't want to just walk into some church, um, that I don't know anything about. And I felt like I, I needed to find out about him, but I didn't know how my next thought was, well, 20 years ago in middle school, my best friend, Sarah, uh, her daddy was a pastor um, and she was raised um, in church and I knew her family was, you know, all about God and Jesus and daddy was a pastor. And I thought if anybody can tell me about Jesus, Sarah can, but I hadn't talked to her in 20 years. Wow. 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 Yeah. Even for 20 years, she had made some type of impact, right? Because, well, I, yeah, (laughs) I, I totally believe that way back in middle school, when Sarah walked into the little library and found me sitting there and came and sat by me because what she says, I had pretty brown hair and she wanted to be my friend. (laughs) Um, I believe that was totally God setting me up because he knew 20 years later, I was going to need her to tell me about Jesus. And, um, I get goosebumps just talking about it. Yeah. It's, but, ugh, wow. So, and then I didn't know how to find Sarah. I hadn't talked to her in 20 years. So I, of course, where do you go? Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> so I tried to find her on Facebook and I couldn't because she had been married and I didn't know her new last name. Um, but I was able to find her sister and I knew she has a, a younger sister and an older sister. And I kind of knew them too. Uh, they're similar in ages. Um, so I, asked her sister if I could have Sarah's contact information and I got Sarah's phone number. And as soon as I got the number, I called Sarah and said, Hey, Sarah, it's Bree. And she's like, Oh my gosh, Bree, blah, blah, blah. And I said, Sarah, I need you to tell me about Jesus. And she went right into it. She started talking and she hasn't stopped talking since. And she, (laughs) and I, and I love it. And she taught me, I mean, I like to say that she introduced me to Jesus mm-hmm. and she taught me so much and she was so gentle with me and, um, my story. And, um, as it, you know, she, she just, she gave me the milk that I needed being a very, very baby Christian. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, okay, these are the basics and the foundations and let's get you involved in a church Um, one of my favorite things that she did was she asked me to start doing an online Bible study, the Mm -hmm. if equip Bible study that's put on by the if gathering. 
And I said no about 5,000 times before I said yes. <laughs> because. Why? What, what's that about? Because I was, I was scared. I, I said, Sarah, I'm going to, what, what do I need to be in a Bible study for? And she's like, well, cause you need to learn about the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, but these women who are doing a Bible study, they are going to be you know, women who've gone to church all their lives, who know the Bible backwards and forwards. And I'm going to feel like a kindergartner in a college class. And Sarah just kept encouraging me gently (laughs) to do the Bible study. And I kept saying no, and I kept saying no, and I kept saying no. And it was, she's like, but it's online. You can do it whenever you want at home. You know, you don't have to go out and see anybody. And, you know, Um, so finally I joined it. And I absolutely loved it. And I did that Bible study every morning before work. I started waking up an hour early specifically so I could do the study. I did it every day for three years straight. And at that time, if Equip was going through the Bible, scripture by scripture, um, which they don't always do. Sometimes they'll teach stuff like the history of the church or whatever. But at this time, it was just a perfect time for me to join because they were going through the books of the uh, New Testament, scripture by scripture and breaking them down. And I got to um, exchange comments with other people that were commenting on there. And even the seasoned Christians that were on there treated me with respect with my um silly what seemed silly to me questions and and whatever and it was such a good experience and I have friends to this day that I talk to that I met on that if equipped bible study so that was just such a blessing to me that's wonderful so let me let me ask you this because I know we you in the beginning we talked about you just feeling you know insecure not putting on a mask and not being yourself. And so mm-hmm. this is coming up again. You're like, these women, they're not going to you know, accept right. me. And, yes. you know, so do you recall or like when, it, when in your life were you aware that, when did you start feeling like you needed to be somebody else or put on a mask? Like, was that as a little kid? Yeah, was it in, I, had, in... I had done that since I was a teenager Okay. I, and I don't know why. Um, so nothing specifically happened? It's nothing just... specifically okay. happened. Mm-hmm. Like, just like I would tell anybody, I had an amazing childhood, amazing parents, um, uh, little sister. Um, but for whatever reason, um, specifically like teenage years, I just felt like I had to put on a mask. Um, for everybody and pretend that I was happy when I wasn't and pretend I wanted to do family things when I didn't, which maybe like lots of teenagers do that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I had a lot of doubts about myself, I guess. I was a very overweight teenager, so I got mm. picked on and bullied a lot in school. So I'm sure that kind of put a dent in my self-worth. Um but yeah, it started way back when I was like 13, 14. Okay, that makes sense. Those wounds can be so far reaching. Wow, yeah. I'm so sorry. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah. you fast forward now and you're with these women and it's just the same feeling. It, you know, I find it incredible how we pick up these um, self-limiting beliefs as children. Right. And we carry them into adulthood 
and we're still so childlike with them. Yes. Um, yeah. And, you know, and it's all of us in one way or the other. It's, it's not particular, you know, to, to specific people. I mean, for some people, you know, maybe in, it varies in degrees of, of seriousness and depth. Yeah. But, you know, we all have something that we, we can act so, like, fearful as if, you know, we're still children right. or incapable of um, fighting for ourselves. Yeah. So that's amazing. Okay, so you're studying the Bible for years now. Um, you're with the same boyfriend at that point in the hotel? Yeah. Like, what happened there? So um, it was – so he was still in jail. So he was there for 28 days. During that 28 days, because I had reached out to Sarah and said, tell me about Jesus, like right when he went to jail. Mm -hmm. because you know sitting on the floor wanting to end my life I'm like I need to do something now because this is not good um by the time he came out of jail and came home I was a totally different person I was on fire for the Lord I was like just so excited about the Bible and my Bible study and I had just a um more energy um, again, I was still abusing drugs, but, um, one of the first things, actually two of the first things that I noticed after accepting Jesus into my heart is a peace that came over me. Um, I, I very specifically remember, uh, being on the phone one day with Sarah walking into the hotel after work. And I said, Sarah, I don't feel bad. I feel good. I feel like I should be crying and upset, but I'm not. I have a peace about me. And that's when she explained to me the peace that surpasses understanding in that scripture. Mm -hmm. And that's when I first heard that. So not only did God give me peace, um, um, that I wasn't alone, that he was fighting these battles for me, but also there was a serious reduction in my anxiety and my fear. Um, I had been plagued with panic attacks several times a week, if not, you know, every day, some weeks, um, panic attacks that would send me home from work or send me into the bathroom for 10 minutes crying or whatever. And my anxiety and my panic reduced <clears throat> immediately. Um, and so I think that really helped me to just to be more comfortable with myself because I wasn't, so there was just less fear. Overall? Overall, yeah. yeah. Just like about all the things. So do you, did you um, notice a difference then in the amount that you were still taking um, drugs or was that still the same? That was still the same. Because I imagine physically your body yeah. Yeah. Just, still, I think, yeah. Your body yeah. wasn't having it. Your heart right. was good. <laughs> right. So, my body know, first, wasn't my having it. My thought here was, you know, I love it how, you know, Jesus healed your heart, but now your body still was yes. a slave to, to this drug. So I can't wait until we get to <laughs> that part right. um, yes. uh, along the way. And, you know, the other thought I had, I am so, I, 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 I know that, you know, in the Bible, we're called to repentance and, you know, that looks different for everybody. And repentance is just a change of, you know, of mind that produces, you know, uh, change, physical yes. change. You can see it, you know. Um, but I am so glad that you were not 
beat down and told that you have to first fix yourself before Jesus can work on your heart. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I am, I'm glad that you were able to, you know, walk with Jesus through this journey and give him all the glory of it as yes. opposed to, I went to rehab. I did all this stuff in order to earn my way to Jesus, which is such um, heresy. <laughs> yes. yes. I, I hate when, you know, um, that happens because I think we push a lot of people away thinking they have to do all the work right. on their own first to be, you know, just perfect enough to enter the kingdom. When it's backward, you come in and then you work and allow the spirit to to convict your heart as you go. So Exactly. And uh, that was that. a blessing that Sarah passed on to me because she just talked to me about grace, 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 grace. And so I'm just so glad that's who I called. I'm so glad that's who God put on my heart to call when I needed to know about Jesus. Um, well, you already had condemned yourself. Yeah. You said what? Uh, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life until yeah. I die or right. this is life. Right. So you, you, exactly. I mean, you already had volunteered yourself to a, a life of slavery to drugs. So right. Um, I, I love that story of, of freedom there as you go. So, yeah. all right. Um, so he comes out, you're totally different. You're on fire and I'm sure you rocked his world. And it probably yes. wasn't pleasant. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Cause he's like, um, I'm sure I, I don't know his exact words. It was a long time ago, but he was like, who are you? Because before, you know, before he went to jail, I didn't know anything about God or Jesus and had no interests really. Um, he um, was raised in um, a Southern Baptist church and it was very doom and gloom and God is mad at you type thing. Um, and so when I, when he came back, um, from jail and I was all, God loves me, grace, this and that. And I was all happy and joyful. Um, he, and still, uh, I don't know I, if I can say to this day, because I haven't talked to him in a long time, but, um, yeah, until, the, until, the, yeah, mm, until for, you, <laughs> right. For the remainder yes. of our relationship, he would say to me, you are so lucky that you came to Jesus under grace because I cannot, he just could not get there. He, was always stuck with God is mad at me. God is punishing me for all the things I've done wrong. And he was stuck there and he tried. I mean, he went to church with me and tried, but the joy, I mean, God restored my joy too immediately. And, and just all of that, he couldn't grasp it. And, and he wanted to, and he, I think he was genuinely happy for me, but he didn't understand it at all. So that created kind kind of a rift. Um, not that he was mad at me about it, but he just didn't understand it. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? Like he yeah. grew up in that and could not accept the gift. And you, right. on the other hand, wow, that's, that's sad and amazing. Yeah. That bittersweet, right? Wow. Right. Yeah. Um, so... At this point, I think I'm, I actually know you. So I know a bit of your story from here on right. out. Um, so I know that you got married after that, right? Or was right. it before that? No. So it was after, I, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what led that. you knowing how things were mm -hmm. and how dysfunctional? What was, what was it about you wanting to, to be married? 
So um, I was a confused baby Christian. And, you know, I read in the Bible that if you're going to live with a man, you should Mm -hmm. be married. And I thought, well, I've been living with this man for quite, you know, I guess it had been like five or six years, I think. Um, I need to marry him. And the thought of, you know, well, this is a dysfunctional relationship didn't really occur mm. to me because it had always been dysfunctional. So for normal. me, it was <laughs> normal. Yes, I get it. And um, looking back, I can now say that I completely pushed past Jesus and said on the way to the altar, I mean, on the way to the mm. aisle. Uh, and, and I basically said, Hey, Jesus, you wait right here. I'm gonna go get married. I'll be right back. Um, and had I taken time to pray about it or ask God, is, the, is this the man I should be married or any of those things? Um, I might not have gotten married, but I wanted to be married. Um, for some reason I wanted his last name. I just, that's something that I had always wanted. Uh, but we had never had the money to do it because we were spending money on other mm-hmm. things. Um, but now that I found Jesus, uh, I need to get married, right? That's the next step. That's what, oh, that's what I do. So I did it. Um, and then it didn't turn out so well. You know, it, it's interesting. I'm here smiling because um, I had the same experience. Um, and yeah. so I became a Christian leader in life. And uh, I had been living with the father of my children for years. And I was like, well, this seems like the logical next step. And no, right. we should have never, ever, ever been together to begin with because, you know, I wasn't a Christian and I definitely should have never um, been married to him. Um, and I, I find it amazing the things that we tell ourselves <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> to justify, yeah. you know, even, yes. even we even use good things as scripture to do the wrong thing. Um, and right. I remember yes. I usually am the person that, you know, I'm, I'm very malleable and I learned lessons pretty quickly I try not to do them um but I remember thinking if I ever find myself in a situation where I'm studying the bible with somebody or I ask advice about that stuff I will never tell somebody that they need to get married just because they've been together or whatnot um because when we live out of God's will we really don't know what Mm -hmm our journey really was supposed to be like, and that man very well could be the man for us, you know, but it very well could not Mm -hmm. be. And until we have that solid relationship with God and, you know, that love and God being all, then we can walk with somebody else, you know, and contribute to the (laughs) relationship as opposed to have this. Uh, Yes. um, uh, What is it? Codependent thing going on yes and I just remember yes. for me well one I, I remember scripture and the other one was just like geez I don't know if I could make it on my own economically and um mm-hmm. so that was the other thing um so anyway I'm sharing this just because you know I, I, I don't mind sharing yeah. but you're not alone like a lot of us do crazy stuff like that and we get ill advice <laughs> sometimes as well so yeah it is what it is but so you're married and then things don't get better. <laughs> Things, yeah. So getting married didn't yeah. fix everything like I thought it was going to. Um, and he um, had some mental health, emotional issues, which were never really fully diagnosed. Um, he didn't have health insurance. So 
um, I spent the next few years because, you know, I had Jesus and was joyful and I just thought I can save him. I can walk with him through all these things and I can save him. And, you know, looking back at it now, I realized, no, I couldn't save him because I'm Mm. not Jesus. Um, But I threw myself into, I mean, all of my energy. He wasn't working. He couldn't hold down a job. So I was, and I had an amazing job. Um, So I was working my butt off um, to earn the money to not only feed our habit, but feed us food and pay the rent. And spending all of the rest of my time, um, instead of on me, um, just trying to do whatever it took to make him happy, even if it's not making me happy. Like, I just wanted him to be okay. Mm. So let me, let me ask you this question. It's kind of a a little segue. Now that you're working, you know, clean and what difference do you see working I mean, you had a great job, a professional, you know, job. I remember that. And working high, like, what what are the differences there? So now I can remember stuff, and um, and I I find it amazing, which it probably sounds weird to other people to say that I find it amazing, but like I can learn things and my brain can still learn new things and recall new things. And, um, whereas before when I was working high, um, it was just like routine, like do the same thing every day, the things that I know, but I wasn't, you know, learning new things. I didn't want to learn new things because it was difficult to learn new things when you're high and you can't remember stuff. Um, but now, um, in the job that I have, um, it's completely out of the field that I had been working for the past, I don't know, 12 mm-hmm. years. And I'm, I'm, I'm learning all these new skills and um, just being able to also communicate and just have friendships with coworkers. I never did that before. I was always just go to work and do my job. And I didn't, you know, people back in the day when I was addicted, you know, people would invite me to places and I wouldn't want to go. It was just all completely selfish about me and my boyfriend. And I didn't want to do things with people. It was just about being high. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm just more open to doing other things. And I'm more, I feel like I'm less selfish mm-hmm. because I, I will ask people about their day and their whatever might have happened last weekend or how was that thing you went to. And, and I'm just more clear headed and um, think about other people more than I used to. You know, it's, it's funny because I know that many conversations that you and I had and you would say things like, people don't like me. I don't have friends. I can't be friends with people. People don't want to be my friend. And I'm, I would sit back thinking, why? Like, you're funny as all get out. You're kind of snarky. <laughs> and um, I just, you know, never understood. But I find it fascinating, the things that we tell ourselves that we just believe to be true, right. to be true, to be true. Right. And it was all, yes. you know, the lie because of, of, the, um, yeah. uh, of the addiction, right? I mean, and you already right, struggled absolutely. from that, from... from 
you know, teenagehood and whatnot. So, so there is that right. bit, but uh, yeah, I find it fascinating how we, what we tell ourselves and um, that's totally not true. Cause I'm like, I have no idea why you have, what are you talking about? Cause I always enjoy yeah, talking you, to you. I remember you telling me yeah. that and I'm like, I don't get yeah. it. I don't get yeah. it. So I find that fascinating. All right. So yeah, you're holding a job. He's not <laughs> right. And then what? And then um, we moved out of the major city that we were living in um, two hours away from my job because his mental health issues were to the point where he was very paranoid. And I don't know if it was a combo of the mental health issues and the drugs. I'm sure it was. But again, he didn't have a doctor, so there was not really a diagnosis there. Uh, but he didn't want to be around people anymore. And he didn't want, I mean, he never wanted me to be around people. Um, so we moved out to the middle of nowhere. I was commuting uh, two to three hours each way to work every day. Um, and so I was just, and I did that for, I don't even remember how long, at least. It was a while. I don't know if it was a yeah. full, I don't know if it was a full year, but maybe close, but, um, so I was tired. <laughs> um, I spent all my time either at work commuting and then the very, very little amount of time that I got to spend at home was just catering to him and what he needed. I was getting very little sleep. Um, and, and he was getting scarier um, as far as his emotional abuse and then some physical abuse. Um, so I was living in the middle of nowhere with this man that was abusive to me. And I was telling it, but at the same time, I was telling myself, well, um, I have to save him. I can't leave him. It's not his fault. He's mentally ill. Um, you know, it's not his fault that he yelled at me or hit me or whatever, He's mentally ill. And I just, I would look at him and say, he's a child of God too. And I need to help him and save him and fix him and all the things. And I did that for way too long. And I was completely um, killing myself without yeah. knowing it. I had basically stopped eating. I had lost so much weight. When I look back at pictures of myself from then, I look like just a skeleton and pale and empty and I was. And there's only so long I could yeah, do that. I, I remember when I met you and you were thin, but I mean, I didn't know you from before. So I didn't necessarily think anything different or anything about it. Um, but I right. do remember the pain in your eyes. Um, yeah. And, you know, just, yeah, I do. I do remember that. Um, yeah. So um, let's fast forward to when you decided things need to be different. What happened? What was that about? Um, not about. How did that come about? So I don't even know that it's a decision I made consciously. Mm -hmm. I feel like God yanked me out of that situation. Um, I went to the uh, Splendid Retreat. And uh, in November of 2016, and six days after coming home from that, 
I was sitting in the house uh, with him and I found that I could no longer be in the house, that I was so riddled with anxiety um, and literally physically shaking. Um, And I couldn't figure out why. It was very abnormal. I mean, we weren't fighting that day. Um, It was a fairly normal day. Um, It was a Sunday. So we were just sitting around watching movies, but I could not be in that house anymore. I could not be near him. So I went outside um, and we were, like I said, in the middle of nowhere. I went and sat by a tree and uh, prayed and called my mom and said, mom, I need you to come get me. And mom was, of course, two hours away. And she's like, are you sure? And I said, yes, I'm sure I need to leave. And um, that wasn't a long conversation because at that point, mom was panicked. I'm yeah. sure. Um, and she told me that I needed to call the sheriff in the county to come sit with me because um, at this point, um, my husband realized that I was wanting to leave. Mm. Um, and I told her that I wouldn't call the sheriff because I was scared of what he would do if I called the sheriff. So mom promptly called the sheriff. (laughs) Um, Of course. Right. So, but between the time, the five or 10 minutes before the sheriff showed up, um, I told my husband, uh, I told him a lie just so I could get out of there because he told me he was not going to let me leave. He told me that if I was leaving, I was walking, that I wasn't taking the car. Um, And he, at one point, prevented me from going back outside after I had come in. And uh, the sheriff finally showed up um, and my husband, his biggest fear was going back to jail. Um, So when the sheriff showed up, of course, he started behaving. Mm. Um, And I just told the sheriff, I just want to leave. I just want to leave. But I told my husband that I was just leaving for the weekend. I said, I just need to go to my mom's for the weekend just to get my head straight. I just, and I don't know what it's about, but I just need to get out of here for a little while. I'm having a lot of anxiety and panic and I don't know why. And I just need to go for the weekend. But I knew when I was saying those words that it was a lie because I knew that if I told him I was leaving forever, that he was, he would, something would happen and I would not, I would not be able to leave. Um, so, um, I had about two minutes cause the sheriff, it was a Sunday. Um, the sheriff was like, well, we can't take you to the sheriff's office to sit. Um, we can take you, you know, to the Walmart or to the wherever. Um, at the time I had a rental car. So, uh, the fact that my husband was telling me I couldn't take the car was a problem because that rental car was in my name and I needed to return it before I left yeah. town forever. Um, so the sheriff made him give me the keys and um, I had about two minutes to get some stuff. And what a blessing it was that I had not unpacked my luggage from the splendid retreat that I had just gone on. Um And so I grabbed that suitcase and grabbed my purse and uh, my jewelry box. And I left with those things, left all the rest of my clothes and knickknacks and books and all the rest of the things there. And I drove away in tears 
and that's how I got away. And I re- and I really do not remember making a decision to leave. I feel like the Holy Spirit and God pushed me out of that place. Do you think it would have ended up really bad? Because you said it was escalating. Yes. What, what did you? Th- what? Yes. What do you think probably would have ended up happening? Well, two nights before I left. So the what was it? Friday night. Um, he physically abused me in a way that was worse than had ever happened before. So I'm sure that contributed to my anxiety. Mm. Um, but still, at that point, I did not make a decision to leave. And in fact, there had been times in my past when he and I had gotten in a fight and I called my parents and I was like, oh, we're fighting. And then we ended up making up. But then it was like I had involved my family. So even after he physically attacked me on that Friday night, I thought, I'm not going to tell anybody because we're going to make up and it's going to be okay. And I don't want to involve my family. Mm. And so I went through Friday night and Saturday. um, um, And there had been some incidences um, maybe a month or two before that where he had physically hurt himself. Um, He attempted suicide. um, And so I was scared. There was just, uh, I think that it could have, and I, I had friend, a mm-hmm. Sarah, my Sarah, um, she was trying her best to warn me. She's like, Bree, he is going to end up hurting you really badly or killing you. And at the time I didn't want yeah. to hear it. Um, and our friendship actually fractured at that point, And we didn't talk for several months because she, um, she just, she just couldn't, I wasn't hearing anything she was saying. I was all about saving Mark. Um, but yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm, you you know, your, your story has so many different <laughs> titles. I right? know so I'm, there's I'm so much. Here, I'm, actually I'm standing because I've been doing a lot of sitting, so it's comfortable. But anyway, regardless, what advice would you give to any of the listeners that are in a situation of abuse and they're telling themselves all these excuses of why they can't or shouldn't leave. What, what would you tell a woman or a man? I mean, I don't know. I guess I've heard that there are abusive women out there as well. Yes. Um, I would say that you can't fix it on your own. You can't fix him or her. You can't fix the abuser, um, that it's not your fault and it's not your job to fix them. Um, that you are worthy of being treated well. Um, you know, even if it's someone who's not a believer in God, you are still worthy of being respected and treated well and loved. And, um, if you're being abused, um, don't stay in that type of situation because you deserve better for yourself and the lies. Um, and you know, you don't see them as lies till you're out. Um, but all the things that are telling you, you need to stay for this reason or that, um, it's, it's just lies. It's, it's, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. And for me, for years, my comfort zone was abusing drugs and 
being abused by my boyfriend or my husband or whatever. That was what I knew. So I was comfortable there. It's scary to get up and leave and change your whole life. I mean, I walked away from my home, my dog, my husband. I had to quit my job, lost my health insurance, all of that. So that's scary. Nobody wants to choose to do that. But thank God that I did. Um, it was the best decision I ever made. And I am sure that it did not come without um, hardship. Because I know that right. sometimes, you know, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? A job, whatever. But what would you mm-hmm. say in the end? Why was it worth it? It was worth it because now I am my own person. I am, I know who I am in Christ. I know that I am loved. I have more friends than I've ever had in my life. I have restored my relationship with my family. I mean, it's still being restored. Um, You know, earning people's trust back takes a while, but it's, I just, I have my health back. Um, God's restored me to more than I was before. And it was all of the hardship that came with, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? I don't have a job. I don't have health insurance. I don't have any of my clothes. I don't have any of my stuff, you know, all of that stuff that can be replaced, but all of it was worth it to be where I am now. And still now I have doubts about myself. Sometimes I'll think to myself, Oh, I'm a 40 year old woman living with my mother, working a part-time job. But then I realize everything God's brought me through and how I'm just rebuilding my life. And, it, and I feel so good about myself now. Mm, that's beautiful. You know, the other thing, um, were you at any point told that because you're married and you're Christian, you need to stay there and stick it out? <laughs> I don't remember being told that because the people that I was open mm-hmm. with, I don't want to say honest because at this point I was still using drugs. So I wasn't honest, but the people that I would tell things, the abuse, you know, thank God they were good people and told me that I did not have to stay in a marriage where I was being abused. Yeah. I, um, I've always found that very difficult because, you know, scriptures say, love covers a multitude of sin and, you know, a divorce and all this stuff. Right. Uh, where right. I'm at right now is, is if you have a husband that is not fulfilling his end of the commitment he made to you um, in God's eyes, mm-hmm. he's already broken the covenant. <laughs> so, right. Uh, yes. That's, uh, exactly. that's what I would tell a Christian woman if they are being physically abused by their husband and, um, and are yes. in any danger. Uh, he's broken the covenant and, uh, it yes. doesn't mean I'm saying go get divorced, but separation, uh, I would think, would yes. be something to be okay. But, you know, right. that's... And after, after I came home, that's what I told him. Um, I said, you know, separation, because we both need to be healed and we're not going to get healed together. And so I wasn't thinking divorce right away. I was just thinking, I need to be healed. He needs to be healed. Um, ultimately after a year or more, um, I am about to be divorced, but at first it was just, we both need healing and we ain't going to get it together. 
So we need to be separated and I need to get out of God's way so that God can work mm-hmm. in him. So let's talk about then your journey to being open. Okay. I am still addicted to these prescription pills and I want out. Right. And, um, how did you come to, you know, that determination and then your journey through that? Cause you know, I, I got, I got a sneak peek. I, I know all about that. <laughs> uh huh. Right. So again, I didn't really, I mean, I did make a decision, but I didn't really decide this is what I want to do. Uh, I realized this is what I have to do. Um, I, you know, I quit my job. I lost my health insurance. So I knew, uh, and the day before my health insurance ended, I went to one last doctor's appointment Um, and what I haven't said is that for the last two years of my addiction, I was seeing an addiction specialist that was prescribing me, um, an anti abuse type drug. Um, right. So I, but still you're addicted to that. Um, it basically fills the same receptors in your brain as the drug you were abusing, but it doesn't get you high. And uh, doesn't allow you to abuse other drugs. If, if I were to have tried to abuse a drug while taking the anti-abuse, it would have no effect on me. So for two years, I have been on this prescribed drug with an addiction specialist. That Can I you say that again? It seems like um, the connection's coming but... in and out. If we get disconnected, I'll get you back in just to let you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So for uh-huh. two years, I was seeing the addiction specialist that was, I saw him once a month. And I would, I was prescribed this anti-abuse drug. Um, When my health insurance ran out, I was no longer able to afford that doctor. Those guys are expensive. (laughs) Um, So I, I went to one last doctor's appointment on the day before my health insurance ended and uh, talked to him about my situation and how I was leaving my husband and all the things. Um, And he uh, prescribed, I think it was three months worth. So I knew that in three months, uh, yeah. that was going to be the end of it. And I was going to have to stop. Um, so after three months ended, you know, I talked to my parents. Um, and at this point I was seeing a psychiatrist, um, and a medical doctor, um, here while I was living with my mom. And, uh, we talked, we all talked about it. And we decided that um, it would be safe for me to withdraw at home as opposed to being put in the hospital. Um, And so that's what I did. And I just, I knew it was coming. I knew I had to do it. I knew it was going to be awful. Yes. uh, Mm -hmm. Because I had tried to quit, you know, many, many times in the past, but uh, without Jesus and without any kind of help, it's really difficult. (laughs) Um, and it never worked. So I would quit for like two days and then go right back to it. So, um, when the time came, which was May 5th of 2016, uh, it was my first day without any, uh, drug, And, um, I started going through the process of withdrawals and it was absolutely awful physically and emotionally. 
And um, I basically, to get myself through it, I threw myself into reading the Bible, uh, listening to worship music. Um, and prior to that date, I had contacted, I don't know, four or five women that I knew were um, prayer warriors and friends that I could count on to just pray for me and to check on me and to, you know, send me a text or a funny picture or whatever, just to kind of help me through this. Because I knew it was going to be at least six to eight weeks of physical and emotional Mm -hmm. hell to get through this withdrawal. Um, And so that's what I did. And I laid around the house sick, um, sometimes unable to even walk across the room or get to the bathroom without help. And it was just awful. Uh, but God, I just kept reminding myself that God was healing me and that, you know, if I could do this, um, and it wasn't really, if I could do it, I had to do it. I, I was, it was a blessing that I was removed from, um, that town that I was living in because now I was in a back in this town where my mom lives and right. I Cause you didn't have any connections, right? I wanted to, uh, right. I had no connections. Um, unfortunately my husband did eventually end up following me here and, uh, he had connections. And so I had to be very careful, um, not mm-hmm. to have contact yeah. with him for all the reasons, all the reasons. Um, mm-hmm. And I cannot say that I was not tempted. Um, but I can say today, now that I'm one year and five days clean from that addiction, uh, that I did not relapse Amen. once by the grace of God. And um, that is truly yeah all God. Yeah. That's, that's most normal. People I, mean, do I wouldn't relapse. even, cause I think some um, people get, I understand yeah. emotional um, taxation um, being family and people relapsing, but that is not abnormal. It, it really isn't because um, it is hard. Even like yeah. you, you found peace in Jesus, but you know, when your body your chemistry, your brain is used to something, um, it is hard to rewire yeah. that. And I remember you telling me that your doctor said it would take about a year to yeah. And you were like, oh, here, I For can't brain, do this. I'm yeah. like, yes, you can. And you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I did. And you know, what's awesome is a year ago, or actually back to when I left my husband. So approximately a year and a half ago, if someone would have told me a year from now, you're going to be sober and you're going to have a job and you're going to have a restored relationship with your family and you're going to have friends. I would have never believed you. And I would have said Mm -hmm. a year that takes forever. Um, But now I look back and I think, look at how much the Lord has done in just one year and has restored my health. And I know that my brain is healing because I'm like able to learn things now. And, um, and it's just amazing to me, um, not only that I didn't relapse, but also that I didn't go back to my abuser. That was totally God, too, because um, that was a hard decision. My, when I, the first day I came home after I left my husband, my parents, well, not the first day, but the next day, they said, look, if you want to go back, we'll drive you back. Well, that was smart. And they left it completely up to me. <laughs> yeah. And it, 
it was a it was a hard decision because I realized I was losing my job, I was losing my stuff, I was losing my everything, um, and it was really hard for me to see at that point that Jesus was trying to restore my everything. <laughs> um, but I didn't go back. I I said no, not going back. Well, I mean, and I've told you this before, and too. you know, you you always in brief fashion, you're like what. But I do. I have seen you fight. I have seen you. Your faith is such an encouragement to me. And I have seen you be so strong and so brave in God. And um, it's been amazing to see you bloom into the beautiful you that you are. <laughs> oh, um, shucks. So I, I, yeah, you encourage me to my core. So I just love having been able to sit on the sidelines because obviously I live in a whole other state. Um, but to be able to sit on the sidelines and you know, right. encourage you and sometimes give you a little bit of a get it together woman. Um, yeah, but yes. definitely I love um, it to see you. It just, I, I do. Your faith is amazing. It is. It just has been very encouraging to my soul in times of hardship so oh thanks that's sweet yeah I've always thought that I mean that's one thing that I I I can say about myself is I have big faith way back when I asked Sarah tell me about Jesus and she basically said look he'll take all the bad stuff and replace it with peace and and all the things I was like, yes, absolutely. Sign me up. What, what do I need to do? I, and I was all about Jesus is going to take all my bad things and all the hard things. And, um, he's going to restore me. And I mean, it took a lot longer than maybe I was expecting back then, but, um, he has, and I just, and I've seen him work in my life in so many different ways and not just these big ways that we're talking about today, but just all kinds of ways. And, um, I've seen him work in the lives of people around me. So my, and I love the faith is, community that you're big. involved in. They seem very supportive and it's just, it, the whole thing has just been yes. so encouraging yes. to see from afar. Um, for sure. Yes. Um, so anything else that you want to add to your journey and encourage other people in various, I don't know, any type of addiction, whether it's drugs or pornography or I don't know, whatever we can be a big food. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's <laughs> mm-hmm. super mm-hmm, anything. Yeah. I think it's super important to, um, and I've, I've learned this just by doing it, um, to s- surround yourself with people that are going to encourage you and that, you know, if you need to go through your, phone and delete a bunch of people because they're the bunch of people that you've been hanging out with that are part of your addiction or enabling you, then maybe you need to delete these people from your life. Um, And just to find a community, whether that's, it, it was a church for me or, you know, people that can encourage you and, uh, not judge you, but help you and cheer you on. And I was blessed uh, to find this church that I'm at. Um, They are amazing and they love me. You know, they know my story and they just love me through it. And um, uh, so I I would say just to surround yourself with good people that will um, tell you the truth. Um, 
that will tell you the hard things. Um, <laughs> and that's what you've done for me <laughs> on several occasions. Um, even when I didn't want to hear it, you're like, girl, you need to do this. And I'm like, but I don't want to. And you're like, no, you need to do this. And um, so you need those people in your life because you're used to being comfortable in your mess and you need to get uncomfortable. And, um, and that's where God works when you, when you get out of your comfort zone and he Amen. can do something new. So I like to wrap things up with two things. And um, so how are you being salt okay. in your neck of the woods? Well, one of the things that mm-hmm. is, well, this is my passion. Oh, yes. Is the yes. Love, the You're love involved Bible in that. Project. That's amazing. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Explain to people what that is. And so, so the Loved Bible Project is where, and I hope I mm-hmm. explain it right. I'll explain it the way that I can. Um, so you, you love on a Bible, which means you get a Bible, any Bible, it doesn't matter, big, small, whatever version, it doesn't matter. And you get a Bible and you read it. And as you're reading it, you love on it any way you can or any way you want to. Maybe that's underlining certain scriptures or using stickers or artwork or um, maybe sticking uh, post-it notes in there with song lyrics that kind of go with that verse or whatever. Um, just encouraging stuff. Um, and sometimes you make a loved Bible for someone specific. For example, I've made them for people in my family. I've made them for friends. Or sometimes you make them um, for someone that you don't even know who it's going to be. And you will probably never meet this person. Um, like I made a few to send to um, a domestic violence shelter for women. So these women got these Bibles that I had loved on and I'll never know who they are, but I know that, or I pray that they will be blessed by the word. Um, and so you make the, you love the Bible, which just means you, you read it and you decorate it or do whatever you want to do. Everybody kind of does it different. Um, and then you give it away. Um, and some people want to, have ideas to, Oh, I want to make one for single moms, or I want to make one for a teenage boy, or I want to make one for, um, just, you know, an elderly person or whatever. Um, and so you just, you, you love on the Bible and it's Mm -hmm. a blessing to me because I'm in the word and I'm reading and then it's a blessing. to. So how would, if somebody wants to start, you know, in this ministry, how would they do that? Or, or is it something you just do on your own? So, well, you, I yeah. mean, it's something you, you ultimately do on your own, but I w- encourage mm-hmm. people to, um, on Facebook, mm-hmm. you can join the loved Bible project, Facebook page. Um, also you can look on Instagram and, um, follow them there. Um, you can, uh, mm-hmm. and then there's so many ideas on Facebook. There's a, there's a separate Facebook page. It's a closed group, but you can, you know, definitely join, um, called share the love. And that's where yeah. we all kind of, you know, we being people who are loving on Bibles, we share our ideas and Hey, you know, you share our pictures, look what I did and, and just, um, get ideas and you can get ideas on Pinterest too. There's loved Bible stuff all over Pinterest. So whatever okay. social media thing you're into. Um, oh, that's such a beautiful there. thing. I know a few people that do that. Um, and I totally had forgotten that you're part of that. 
Um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love doing it. Like th- that's what I do in my spare time. And it's just, it's fun. It's fun for me and it gets me in the word and I know, and it's, it's a creative yeah. outlet cause I'm kind of a creative person. So, you know, the drawing and the artwork and the stickers and all the things, um, and oh, it's just fun. That's amazing. I love it. And so the last question is, if you were a spice, which one would you be? And why? And how do you bring that okay. to the table? <laughs> mm-hmm. So you know, but your listeners may not know. I don't <laughs> Yes, cook. you don't. We have, we have fights over the micro. You and the microwave. And when Go you- ahead. <laughs> So when you sent me the email and you said you were going to ask me a question, I was like, spice, what's like, does she mean salt or does she mean pepper? I don't know. I don't know anything else. So you're going to find this hilarious. I I Googled um, (laughs) because I didn't know. I'm like, what's a spice? I mean, I know what a spice is, but I started thinking and I'm like, I have no idea. I have no idea. So I Googled the word wholesome spices (laughs) and the first one that popped up, I just, I was reading about the description of this spice and I decided this was me. This is my spice. I am ginger. (laughs) Go ahead. And let me tell you why. (laughs) Okay. So I learned Mm -hmm. that ginger grows underground and out of sight. And I thought, well, that's mm-hmm. like me because I'm really shy and quiet until I get to know people. Um, yet it also shoots up a stalk and flowers. Um, and I feel like in my life right now, mm. that's what I'm doing, that I'm flowering and, and just in all areas of my life. Yes. And not to mention, I love flowers and gardening. Um, and... Uh, ginger root, I learned <laughs> because I don't know anything about spices. It's very versatile. Um, it can be um, brewed into a tea or juiced or like it can even be mm-hmm. made into like a sweet snack. Um, and it can also be spicy. And I find now that I'm not addicted that I am very versatile as far as I can hang out with all different kinds of people Um different backgrounds, different ages. And I'm just happy to uh, just be around all different types of people. And um, ginger um, being, having the ability to be sweet and spicy. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a little me. Yes, you can. a little sassy when I want to, <laughs> or when I don't want to. Um, so, but I'm also super sweet. Um, so, um, I just, I think ginger is good for me. Also, oh, also ginger has Mm -hmm. uh, medicinal properties, healing properties. And I believe now, um, that I am free from my addiction, um, that God is using me and the light that Jesus shines from within me to be a light to others um, in my life, to my family and to friends or whoever I may come in contact with. Um, Not to say that I'm healing people, but that in that same way of just being a joy and um, 
a healing balm to other people when oh, they make that's beautiful. Wow. You were very thorough in your uh, little investigative thing. Well, this question scared me. I wasn't scared about... Okay, so, girl, I wasn't scared about talking about my addiction. I was scared about it what seems spice to bring up I. a lot of things for people, so it's, it's very interesting. I love it. I love it. You know that uh, Rachel Bruce was the one that I gave know. me that idea? Yes, yes. So that was wonderful. Really? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love wow. giving credit where credit is due. Well, my Brie. Yes. We, we're, we're done here. Yes. We're done. It's just... Awesome. I'm no, so blessed. Thank you for blessing me and um, today. I just hope that thank you. Uh, anybody out there listening to this and is in any similar situation finds freedom in Christ. So um, we'll do that. Yes, so thank amen. you so much, darling. Enjoy the rest of your day and uh, we'll see you around on the interwebs. Okay. Oh, thank Happy you. Mother's Day. <laughs> bye bye. You're welcome. If you find yourself struggling with any type of addiction, or you find yourself in an abusive relationship, please seek help. Like Bree said, you are worthy of love. I want to thank my faithful listeners for tuning in, tuning in each week. Go ahead and share, review, and rate this episode so that it reaches many others. Thanks.